that's the third reason I'm excited for tonight is that both of you have been introduced to Michael Crichton officially. And mm-hmm. that's that's like my hero. He's not my favorite author of all time, but he's my favorite person who ever wrote books because um, I just think he's insanely interesting and cool. Um, uh, underappreciated for being maybe the most popular author creator of the 90s. I mean, if you're talking about all mediums, he's just unbelievable. And um, so, Sai, I would like to hear from you. Yeah. Don't, not necessarily with the book, just the fact like, you know, you, you've heard me speak about him a, sure, a lot, yeah. just constantly yeah. just gushing about about him on, on all these episodes. I, I talk about him more than I don't. What would you like? Did I hype him up too much? No, I mean, it was funny. I was hella dumb. I was like, OK, Crichton title disclosure. It's about aliens. I'm like, let's fucking go. You know, it's going to be an alien. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I mean, and in some senses, it was, you know, the, <laughs> in the workforce, you know, it's alien force. <laughs> the, okay, yeah, there's definitely but, some uh, forces. Yeah, I was funny because, you know, I'm like. I, I always I like like proto red pill shit and this is this is exactly that, you know, and it's just like it's so funny how much it's all all this stuff. None of it. The, there's nothing new under the sun, you know, with all this shit. And uh, I loved. Yeah, I love the pacing of it. I love the Monday through Friday thing. Um, uh, and I watched the movie, too. Maybe we could get into that. I thought that. Oh, was really absolutely. We, we, yeah. we will. Absolutely. Uh, but no. Yeah, you definitely didn't overhype. I'm excited. to. I got a bunch of, you know, Crichton's like that yard sale slash goodwill yeah. guy. You, know, you just find it two dollars all day you know quite i would hand it out like religious cult pamphlets like i would just have pocket paperbacks full of his books i mean um and also uh just real fast on 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 uh on Crichton is he's one of these guys where nobody thinks that they're allowed to gush over him right because he got his flowers he got his flowers in real time he got 100 over 100 million books sold i think it's up to 250 now uh 250 million he's had huge movie franchises and uh like in the 90s he married Anne-Marie Martin and was coming off of Jurassic Park right mega mega movie Spielberg bought the bought it like he got first dibs at it because Crichton was shopping it so much and Spielberg got it made it into a a great family movie uh then you get uh Disclosure and then you know he writes Twister with Anne-Marie Martin uh all that time ER is the most popular show in the world which is his creation and um also he's decorated from the past uh with his 70s films and nobody thinks they're allowed to like him like as much as I do. I think I think they're scared to gush over him because he's not like, you know, James Joyce or insert, you know, guy that makes you sound smart uh, here. But uh, I think people struggle with guys who have gotten their flowers. Right. Who are like like aren't underrated. Like if that makes sense, like it's it's how we talk about with the Beatles. Right. It's like you 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 almost get to a point where you're like, well, I have to not like him because then that means I'm just like a Beatles fan. You know, or that means I'm just a, I don't, that means my music taste or my book taste is so limited to just, just these thrillers, you know? Yeah. Hate it. Yeah. Hate it, hate it, hate it. So like um, you said, like Crichton is world famous, but no one ever talks about him. You never hear about him. Nothing. You never hear people read his books anymore. You know, it's one of those weird kind of. Try to like find like a space. Content. Try to find YouTube content of like people reviewing Crichton books. You, you don't, you find like six mm-hmm. and they're all Jurassic Park. Like they're all, I mean, which is a a phenomenal book. And that's the first gain of fiction episode. It's awesome. Like I would definitely read it, but it's, that's just because the movie's so huge. It's not his own work. Doesn't get put, doesn't actually get put under a microscope because there is a lot there. But, uh, but Jack, like, I mean, there's no way you hadn't heard of him, right? Like you've totally had heard, had heard of him, right? No, uh, I had heard of him and I, uh, had never 
thought much of him until I first watched Disclosure about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and I immediately loved it and couldn't believe it existed. I didn't know anything about Michael Crichton except what everyone knows, which is just Jurassic Park. And I think that is the source of why people don't explore his other things or know that he's this amazing author. There's, as you said, this resentment of extremely successful popular artists, especially a Renaissance man, kind of Chad like him, who was Mm -hmm. just good at everything. Um, And then Jurassic Park itself, even though the first movie is obviously great and the second one is like interesting it has this tawdry reputation now Mm -hmm. because that franchise like star wars (laughs) Mm -hmm. is has just turned into this meaningless thing (laughs) yeah um so you would never know that he had this massive success with this uh red pill like (laughs) very Camille Paglia era gender politics thriller about sexual harassment. Not only that, it's totally one of a kind because of the weird combination of elements. The fact that, you know, he could have stopped at the sexual harassment drama, uh, but it's also this exploration of gender politics intersection with emerging internet technology Mm -hmm. that is totally uh, predictive of everything that would happen. I mean, he's clearly just had this amazing mind that could predict all of this. And you think, as I did, watching the movie for the first time, that it's really bizarre and really funny to see Michael Douglas and Demi Moore interacting in a virtual reality library, like Lawnmower Man dimension. But it's a pretty good visual representation of the internet and also the kind of uh, cross-pollination of cynical sexual harassment suits, gender politics with internet surveillance, it's all there. Yeah. And it's so uh, fast-paced, well-written, direct. People really resent uh, direct, Mm -hmm. no-frills type of writing like this because it's not their the kind of poetic bullshit that they're taught to think is superior. Uh, But actually, this is superior. Stuff like this is is a superior form of literature to stuff like Naked Lunch. I fully believe that. (laughs) Naked Lunch is just bullshit. I mean, it's for kids. Uh, It was an experiment from the mid-century, you know, like kind of like hippie mind, but it it leaves you with nothing. This leaves you with so much, (laughs) and it's fun to read. Um, But I'm so... I'm so excited to explore the rest of what he's done uh, and that you've like opened my eyes about him because I just love this aesthetic moment. I love the kind of idea of purchasing this from a huge stack at B Dalton in in (laughs) the design of his books is phenomenal. It's really like with the, with the, sleeve that come yeah, the, uh, the cover it's transparent yeah. Yeah, that comes the... off i can't believe this is from 1993 like yeah, it yeah, looks yeah. so modern yeah but it's so, I, cool. it's so cool 
Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, also, he's yeah, he, the the forward and the afterward, like all the little weird elements that he put in there almost did more for me than the actual all of his books. Know, it, his yeah. books are a lecture. His books are a novelized lecture of him yeah. is essentially because you'll you'll see him like with with Westworld. He I mean he created Westworld as well. So like you have and he made like a real linear plot, cool, fun Westworld, not the fake midwit surrealist garbage that's on HBO that just people oh actually we're so we're confused. We're writing it and we're confused, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like that stupid fucking yeah. show that's oh, on there. I haven't seen Westworld yet, but yeah. I watched Coma last night with you did. Chris at his suggestion, and it was fucking phenomenal. Oh, Coma, the, and this from 1971. Yeah, 76. Yeah, so, oh, okay, so much yeah, yeah. better than all of the well-trod early Cronenberg hipster yeah. territory that's similar. So when he's she's a climbing the fucking scaffolding and shit. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that that accomplishment is just like diminished. It's just like one more thing on his resume, and people are like, oh, he he wasn't that good of a director. It's nearly a yeah. thriller, you know. Like yeah, yeah. And, it, and guess what it does? It fucking thrills you. It's yeah, amazing. It's, yeah, it's yeah. it's like it's it like does its writing. job. It does its job. And you said the exact same thing. His books are completely without any fat i don't I, like i've always wondered what it's like to edit michael Crichton books like does it come to you with a lot of fat i don't think it does i, I feel like like maybe there's some grammar you move around just from him kind of frantically writing or something reading but, those descriptions yeah. of his writing process how he would just like go into a trance and not mm -hmm. talk to anyone for like two months and wake up at like two in the morning uh that kind of self-control and devotion like that's how you churn out something like this not you're like I just wrote whatever I wanted today in my <laughs> yeah. journal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and 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 you know, there is something to this, and this is this definitely is uh, for our our podcast. So, Crichton is a psychic, like, and this is not a joke. Like, this is not like, oh, he saw so much. No, he is was legit recruited for psychic programs by the like by this company called mobius yeah. right oh, like mobius was the first ever remote viewing thing where they hand you two envelopes and you're like this one's gonna happen like he's like one of those like x-men like where they find like all the x-men he was doing that so it's like you see why like what his process is he does all his he he i mean he was talking with charlie rose he would say what's the hardest part about right the writing he's like starting He's like, once I get going, I'm gone. He, I, he does so much of the pre-process where, you know, this book comes from his own uh, person that he knew getting basically, uh, it's, I think it's a, essentially a true story that he added some thrilling elements to. Yeah. Uh, from, yeah, from, from it, it feels like he went around just kind of doing research and dabbling here and there. And then at some point he just sits down and starts mm -hmm. and all of that yeah. is swirling in his brain. But talking about coma, uh, just just real fast because you did watch it. It's phenomenal. We covered it a while back, and and it's uh, that it's such a people have heard this that listen. I, I don't care. I'm going to say it every time. I actually, my mother in law. The reason I found out about Michael Crichton is I, it's constantly been this looming figure in the back. I used to work at Borders Booksellers right until it closed down. They closed down. The, I showed up to work and there were boards on the windows and it was, it was <laughs> out of business. I was like, oh okay. It was just like a, a stoner college job kind of thing. And I, uh, I, but I, for a while I was just constantly like, I was looking at this like James Patterson garbage, ghost written James Patterson garbage, putting it on the, on the, just those like boomer espionage thing. And his books would get laundered in the boomer espionage books. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this guy wrote this, he wrote Jurassic Park. And I'm like, he wrote Sphere. He wrote yeah. Disclosure. I'm like, all, I'm like, this guy wrote all these like amazing books. I'm like, but I never read them. Right. I was in my burnout mode at that time. Then 
I'm my uh, my in-laws, they rent movies from the library. They don't have any streaming services. They go to the library where they're retired. They go to the <laughs> library and they find cool movies and they, their library is stocked. Like they have sick shit in their library. It's all like like because I think everybody else values physical media. Like it's all like old like Nevada uh, people that like don't know how to use a fire stick or something. And she looks she pulls out this thing and it was on like the marquee where they like front face it to you. And like she pulls it up and it's Coma and it like looks demented. Like the cover like what is Jean-Vivre Bougiold and she's just looking around these like suspended bodies. And I'm like, yeah, well, that looks interesting. And in my head, I look and I'm like, directed by Michael Crichton. I'm like, let's watch that. Like we both said, we're like, let's all watch this. We watch it. And I'm like, this is a this is amazing. I was like, what? Like, it, and, you know, with me, with the covid stuff, people getting killed in hospitals with respirators. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. OK. Yeah. Another thing you predicted. Great. You know, like well, that's what's funny about coma is he's a Harvard med school dropout. You know, it's yeah. like that's the, all his experiences just kind of. Yeah. Funnel into that, that shit. Yeah. He has that tongue in cheek kind of like, oh, it just wasn't for me. It's like, no, you. Yeah. You, you <laughs> no, hated it. You yeah. Saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, that was amazing. As uh illick said in our chat uh that's so badass that he like got the medical degree from harvard and then just spent the rest of his life writing fiction shitting on how creepy and sinister doctors and lawyers are yeah psychologists (laughs) women managers uh, globalization of labor uh, yeah, technology, uh, all these crazy things, man. Like he just found genetic out engineering, genetic okay, engineering yeah. with Jurassic, that's what Jurassic Park is. The book yeah. is a genetic engineering book, yeah. uh, cloning. Usually like you know. when you find out that someone who's famous in some other field, like directed a movie that's not talked about that much. It's some kind of like curiosity. Mm-hmm. It's not that good. Like Saul Bass directing phase four about the ant colony. Uh, but this is like just a stunningly good movie and you know it's a great um double feature with disclosure too mm-hmm. because michael douglas is in both of them yes and uh-huh. did i read correctly that michael Crichton used the name michael douglas early on to publish books when he wasn't using his own name i think it was john lang i saw something he, i could be because john lang because michael Crichton is six foot eight so uh-huh. he said he said lang means large in german so he used to go under like it was it was when he was in med school then he finally wrote andromeda strain which hmm what's andromeda strain about oh how they make viruses in labs and release oh, them yeah. everywhere oh wow yeah hmm in yeah, 1971 yeah. wow wonderful or 69 but, i believe yeah but it yeah. also has the sinister clinical gender politics stuff because it centers around that really creepy extended graphic abortion scene <laughs> yeah. and it's the, that's treated so casually like the woman is just like i'm gonna get my friend to give your, me an abortion and they're like <laughs> then it turns into this thriller going <laughs> going but it's not like uh genevieve Bujold is like the ideal like female lead like she's amazing and she's usually plays like the weird ladies like in dead ringers or whatever so uh-huh. i like, had her filed as one of those like creepy tightrope yeah like tightrope like a badass like action yeah. star in this very straightforwardly so yeah gave me another side of her yeah no it's uh, that's i for anybody who hasn't seen that like that that's one of the i mean that movie made a lot of money in the theaters too like it's not it wasn't like a like a it wasn't one of those like eaten up by star wars or like you know jaws type movies like it wasn't one of those movies that got overshadowed it made money but it gets retconned 
And before we get into the book, one last thing. Why is Michael Crichton re- is kind of forgotten about? Huh, maybe because he was the only guy to actually challenge Al Gore scientifically about climate change. And then he died <laughs> a few years later. Hmm. Maybe, And then he wrote a cl- one of his books that we will be doing towards the end of, the, of our reading list is going to be called State of Fear, where he wrote a book about climate activists committing false flags on the um, to get climate change legislature passed. So uh, I wonder, I wonder, I mean, because you, you hear about the guy who, who opposed Al Gore back in the day. You always hear about this guy with the big lifted truck. Don't yeah. tread on me flag. Oh, that was all. They were just they didn't want to believe in him. No, this guy would go on there and he would say, like, look, I know that the ocean's getting warmer, that the water levels are getting warmer. You're right. Like, you're right in that sense. But what you're saying, your models, like saying the the Pacific Ocean is going to fall or, you know, the the beachfront properties in the Pacific are going to fall into the ocean and all these stuff. That's what that you're you're saying that to your politicians saying that that's going to get the laws passed and that's what gets the laws passed. That like just like and he spoke out against secondhand smoke as well. He's like mm-hmm. second. I, he's like, I hate the small cigarettes. I don't smoke. But you're telling me I'm going to die from Which it. Is a drum that I bang all the time. <laughs> all the current. You know, not just to say that, like, smoking is good or whatever, but all of the current uh, liberal overstep, legal overstepping of personal freedoms, it all originated with smoking bans, which were an experiment on uh, to see how citizens can be mobilized to police things themselves for free with this kind of moral, vague moral medical justification. But... I have no doubt that the politics of that, uh, Michael Crichton's politics, are an extra motivation for the uh, embarrassing disintegration of the and exploitation of the Jurassic Park IP. Because mm-hmm. people see that and think everything associated with this is clearly stupid because this is just trash. Dude. And they only started making those Jurassic World movies after he was dead. Exactly. And yeah, and he would and there was no he didn't want a um, a franchise to be made out of a book that where there wasn't a book accompanying it. Like that was another they, thing. They like, do that to any and they politically mm-hmm. uh inconvenient popular authors. I mean, you know what they're gonna do to JK Rowling after she dies. Dude. Um but Dude. <laughs> but they do it to uh Tolkien because he's Christian. They do right. it to you know, they keep the the image of the IP going, but as something totally embarrassing and disintegrated, like yeah. as a deliberate disrespect to the person who invented it. They like it. to rub your fucking face in yeah. it, dude. And just and just make little jump scare jump scare movies for you, you know, and, and just Ooh. these meaningless like save the dinosaurs. That's not what it's about. That's not what Jurassic Park's no. about. Jurassic Park's <laughs> no. about they shouldn't have been created because you're because some guy wanted to entertain somebody. Yeah. You know, yeah. like and you and you change the entire ecosystem because of it. Like it's 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 crazy. So Let's talk disclosure, the book, right? So the book, uh, first thing, starts out, first scene, uh, our mutual friend, Eben, right? The coolest hippie guy in the world. Bainbridge Island, that's where Eben lives. That's oh, no cool. Yeah, that, that little cool little, like, that he has to take the ferry from to Very Seattle cool. every day. That's Bainbridge Island. So I was like, I sent him the literally the first paragraph of the book. I sent it to, to Eben. I was like, dude, this is you. Um, and uh, and I, I, would, I did picture it would be really funny if Tom Sanders' neighbor was Eben. And like you just see this guy, you see this guy just foraging Rishi, and it's like, hey, I heard you didn't get the promotion, man. Like, yeah, you know, like, it's like this hippie guy. But, uh, bitch. Yeah, child yeah. Eben is next door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out. 
Yeah, it'd be so funny. But the uh, but no, it's centered around Tom Sanders, right? And Tom Sanders is from the old guard. Tom Sanders is this this guy who's made his way. Was he the most skilled worker? No, but he was well liked in the company. He was easy to talk to. He got things done. That's basically what he was. Anything that needed to be done. He was not an engineer, but he understood what engineers did. Yeah, uh, very very much what a what a good manager is like when you work for them. It's like, look, I don't need you to step in and work with me, but you need to understand the difficulties of my job. He, he was one of those guys. Right. And it's centered around the first scene of the book is an extreme red pill where his wife, who just who works like three days a week as a lawyer, cannot handle raising the children at all. Like she's like, Tom, can you do it? He's like, I'm it's the most important day of my life. Like and I and like you want me to feed the kids and, I, and, I, and I'm late today. So and you have to realize at this point and Crichton's writing really took a jump forward after his uh, after he got divorced four times. Uh, or three times <laughs> they really it's real they really it really comes out uh, like in the in the book sphere uh it's where you can manifest they're they're contacting an entity uh, in a submarine and you can manifest whatever environment you want around them as long as you're enlightened and the sh- the, the the lady who's this bu- uh, kind of like athletic straight woman uh biologist who's played by sharon stone in the movie uh, all she does is make herself look hotter, like essentially wishes to be played by Sharon Stone. In yeah, the movie. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's like, and it's like she just made herself like more attractive and like sexy and stuff like that. Yeah. Was just like, like he does that a lot. He has definitely has some like, you know, lingering stuff from his marriages. But um, <laughs> you, you start out right away and he's he's on the outs. There's a lot of things happening. He's used to being involved in every call. But after a while with his like high tech cell phone and stuff, he's just he's just missing out on everything. And then there's this whispering in the office and it's he's clearly not going to get the promotion. He knows he's not going to get the promotion, but he's already willing. To, and this is a thing with a lot of I suffer from this at times, but a lot of like just straight dudes, we kind of just take it on the chest a lot of times and kind of just move on. Ah, It doesn't matter. I lost fair and square, you know, and like he knows that's not true, but he's just coping with it. And he's supposed to get this promotion at this company called Digicom, but it's also moving it. Another red pill of the of the book is it's moving towards the globalization of labor. Right. Um, so I thought that part just at the beginning, he he sets this, the, the, the tone of the book within the first like 10 pages of like what's going on. This is exactly what's going to happen in this book. It's not some long drawn out intro. It's he's married having a tough time with two working parents in the household. Uh, this company used to be better, but now it's gone global everywhere. And I think I'm getting a promotion, but it doesn't look like I'm going to, you know, that's <laughs> just right then and there. I appreciate that being laid out after reading a Russian tome before that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the uh, sense of setting and time period is really perfect because it's in Seattle in the early nineties you know, the grunge uh, dream. Uh, and there's constant talk of the uh, sister plant in Austin. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, li- I liked all the, uh, sh- the plot stuff involving Austin, which is very of its time because Austin was, you know, was already like a kind of tech hub uh, with Michael mm-hmm. Dell and everything mm-hmm. at that time. So it's, it's a good uh, sense of every time. Setting. Yeah, the Austin, the Austin guy. They made him sound so. They're like, "What the fuck, man?" They're like poking around my plant, bro. And he's just, you know, yeah. like, and it, the punishment <laughs> is being shipped to Austin after that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like my wife that's, is never gonna go for this. Like, that sounds now. so great now to be yeah. uh, shipped from 1992 Seattle to 1992 Austin, which, which 1992 which Austin was probably yeah. 1992 Austin was probably awesome. Like mm-hmm. you know, but but there, there's a looming presence, right? Like the whole idea. I look, n- n- neither of us had these tech type of jobs, right? Like we all worked kind of kind of grunt work in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, service work or or I was warehousing construction and stuff. It's definitely kind of uh, a different class of work and uh but you know you realize you start to you you kind of buy into it because you realize there's a merger that's going to happen right one of these big mergers it's all with conley white digicom is going to get merged with con i don't i never know those terms those terms are always kind of weird these like company merger things but they're going to merge with this company called this conservative company called conley white and the idea is that like they're all going to become like multimillionaires. the guys like sanders who have been there from the old guard for a long time they're all going to become huge but, you know, Crichton's pointing out a pretty funny thing, like, uh, and a very true thing is that, like, when these big mergers, these dot-com mergers happened, when these tech companies moved to, like, ultra, like, light speed level, CD-ROM level, like, tech, they wanted to get rid of a lot of the big kind of vestigial uh, company guys and replace them with computer technology, at least that, like, that social ability that kept Tom Sanders afloat at Digicom. They want to kind of see if they can replicate him a little bit and get rid of the guy who's probably going to make twelve million dollars mm-hmm. out of this. You 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 see right away that he's just not in on any of it. So I, I find that to be. And this is all look. This is a this is a sexual assault book. But you're you're inserted right into nineteen ninety two labor. And um, one of the funniest parts about this is I, I laughed so hard is when you meet Phil Blackburn, the libtard Berkeley lawyer who was. Jack has said this many times. You cannot be friends with libtards. He was the best man at Tom Sanders' wedding. They lived together for a long time, and then he's the guy trying to take you down. And you you know it right away because they said he comes into work with, and this is something that's a complete disconnect from the movie. He comes in wearing Birkenstocks like as a lawyer, and he's just like this Cal Berkeley, like anything goes guy. They tell this really funny anecdote about how he was all for spreading the company around the world. It, uh, I think it's Malaysia. And then they found out that Malaysia's Muslim and doesn't want to have co-ed workforce. <laughs> and, and he's like living. And they're like, well, Tom, it's a different. Or, uh, well, Phil, it's a different company. He's like, well, they yeah. need to apply our standards with having yeah. women in the workplace. I just, oh, my oh, God. Nothing, has anything changed? Of, has anything changed? Literally no, nothing. Like, except there are like 50,000 of that person. Yeah. You know, <laughs> now it's such a type because of the internet. Then there would oh be the one guy who was that liberal fraud who hitched his hitched yeah, himself yeah. to the newest uh current thing um but yeah the the characterization of him as uh always showing up and like being the first one to show up mm-hmm. in the latest fashions or whatever it's, uh-huh. it's really good you just listened to a preview of one of our premium episodes and to get access to the full thing you got to be a paid subscriber to the rare candy substack that's rarecandy.substack.com only five dollars a month or 55 for the whole year you get one month free if you do the whole year you get access to premium rare candy episodes my podcast the glenn word and whatever the hell else we want to charge people for uh again that's rarecandy.substack.com thanks again